Hey, this is Donald Wells with a different type of bean counter um, coming at you for a, another podcast, different type of bean counter. I didn't mention it before, but uh, I'm president of Wells CPA and uh, we're located in Columbus, Ohio. So um, I try to give information for specifically for not-for-profit organizations uh, just to help them boost some of their expertise uh, surrounding uh, different topics. So that's what we're going to do on today's episode. We're going to talk about the concept of a physical sponsorship. Um, recently, I did a LinkedIn post, so I highly recommend you follow uh, me on LinkedIn. I think two or three times a week I try to do posts. And I, I propose this question. Uh, should your not-for-profit provide physical sponsorship to a smaller charitable project that lacks 501c, 501c3 status? There's a lot of conversation in the not-for-profit space regarding generating dollars that are not from contributions. And for very strong uh, organizations, the fiscal sponsorship becomes something that they start to think about because you can collect an administrative fee for providing these services. Uh, these, these arrangements can be beneficial not only to the project, but to the established organization through the uh, additional revenue source uh, that, that can be generated. There's some, there's some pitfalls but uh, I want to talk about sponsors can gain exposure to new donors and a small fee that overset the over, uh, overhead costs, which is what I mentioned. You can collect the fee uh, in, in most simplistic terms. A lot of organizations start to look at uh, physical sponsorship as their first venture into trying to do a social enterprise generating some earned revenue to diversify um, the amount that they rely on contributions. And I believe that all of those are good things. There are some pitfalls. And uh, what I want to do is I want to offer up some suggestions to those pitfalls and make you aware of them. And so again, uh, I don't know that I don't know that very many of my podcasts are debit and credit um, as a pure accountant, which is why I love the name a different type of bean counter. But the first uh, pitfall that, that we run into and that I have seen and experienced is where a 501c3 will do a sponsorship of another 501c3. So follow me. We've got a not-for-profit organization that is tax-exempt that sponsors another not-for-profit organization that is tax-exempt. Uh, that creates a, a wealth of issues because in, in, in both cases, or in that case, both organizations should have a board, right? Because both organizations are not-for-profit or profit organizations. Now, the issue becomes, in, in that scenario, which board is the governing board? How does... Who really has the, the overarching responsibilities for the finances, for the evaluation, for the management of the program? Uh, generally speaking, and I've seen this a couple of times over the last two years, where one 501c3 and another 501c3 will get together and try and create sponsorship arrangements. 
I highly recommend that you look at your bylaws, you look at your governing documents, you really sit down and think through, uh, not from a operational standpoint, because in most cases, there's some, there's some logic behind it operationally. But think about it from a governance standpoint and whether or not governance is being met. Um, I, I find it highly unlikely that uh, one 501c3 could actually be a sponsor of another 501c3. The other situation that I've seen is where a 501c3 sponsors an organization with a EIN number. Uh, this is a situation that always makes me uncomfortable uh, for two reasons. First, to get an EIN number in the state of Ohio specifically, where, where I'm located, you must register with the state as a not-for-profit organization. As soon as you register with the state for a not-for-profit organization, the attorney general and everyone will say, hey, you should have a board in place. So see, um, see pitfall number one that I just discussed. The other thing that makes me uncomfortable when we have a 501c3 that sponsors an organization with an EIN, usually as we start to get an EIN number, organizations start to open their own bank accounts. Maybe they employ people and they start to really function as a full-fledged operation or entity. The, uh, the counting term would be a full-fledged concern. And now I'm concerned about, okay, what are they doing that the sponsor doesn't know? Um, and I'll, I'll speak why that's really important in just a few minutes. Uh, but just if we just settled with the EIN number and maybe they use the EIN number to hire someone. Well, who's responsible for that employee? Uh, is it the 501c3 that's sponsoring the organization or is it the organization with the EIN number? And I'm just not sure. And I, I, I'm not sure whether or not in a lot of these situations, we're doing a great job of writing uh, agreements that spell this these these situations out. Um, I mentioned an agreement. A fiscal sponsorship is a is a legal agreement. Um, you should, in most cases, have a document, have a process where, uh, as a sponsoring organization, you've collected information to determine that yes, this is something that we want to sponsor. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's an entire process, there's a couple of national organizations out there that will show you and, and provide best practices. Um, if you will uh, subscribe and comment, I'll make sure to email you links to those documents. Uh, you can always uh, email me or get in touch with me through the podcast, A Different Type of Bean Counter. The third pitfall that I want to talk about is how does the 501c3, the sponsorship of another organization, affect the 501c3 funding? What we generally have in a sponsorship situation 
is that we have cash that comes in and a liability that's created on the books. There's a debit and credit for you. And uh, we, we should not be running this through the income statement because if I make a contribution to an organization that you are sponsoring, that's not your money. You owe that money out. So that's why it's a liability on your books and not revenue. You owe that money to the organization that I gave it to. It's just that you're handling it for them. So that, that's one of the things that I've seen a lot where organizations run this through their income statement, which is incorrect accounting. The other thing that I've seen, and this happened probably three years ago to a client of mine, they, were, they had several uh, federal grants and they were right below the threshold of what would be required as far as receiving dollars from the federal government for a uniform guidance. But they had a fiscal sponsorship where uh, the organization they were sponsoring received some federal money also. The way that this works is those federal dollars count as expenditures to you as the sponsoring organization. So those federal dollars could flip you into a situation where you have to go through a, a uniform guidance audit, which is we can talk about that for days. This is not the podcast for that. The fourth and the final uh, pitfall that I want to speak to regarding fiscal sponsorships is that I am struggling to get boards to understand their role when an organization decides to do a fiscal sponsor. The board of the organization who is the sponsor, who is doing the sponsoring, they take on all the governance uh, duties. They take on the duties of care, duties of compliance, duties of loyalty, and duties to maintain accounts of that organization. Why is that important, Donald? What does that mean? I would have a very difficult time sitting in a board meeting as a board member of an organization that has a physical sponsor. And we just went through the financial statements. We just had an executive director presentation. We talked about what was going on. We talked about the program activities. But at no point did we do the same things for that organization that we are sponsoring. Well, how am I governing both organizations equally well unless that information makes its way to the board meeting? So that is the biggest thing that I'm seeing is that organizations are pushing this and are taking this on in an attempt to generate some revenue. I agree with that totally. But people are not understanding the roles that this, uh, let me say it this way. People are not understanding how this activity changes their roles in relation to the organization that they are sponsoring. So again, you know, just be careful. Make sure that when you're sponsoring or you're entering into a physical sponsorship arrangement, that you fully understand it. Make sure you have agreements in place. Please, 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 as a board, make sure that you are thinking through, okay, how does this affect us? There are a couple of organizations in town locally and a couple of organizations nationally that are truly built to be 
physical sponsors. They, it's their business. It's the reason they are tax exempt. If you're someone looking for a physical sponsor, reach out to me, please, through the podcast, a different type of bean counter. Reach out th- uh, by commenting on the podcast, and I will put you in touch with some of those organizations. Um, I believe that physical sponsors are necessary. I believe that several organizations need them. I just believe that the structure and the relationship needs to be done well. So continue to think about how to diversify your revenue. I'm in total favor of that. I'm in total favor of physical sponsorships. I sit on an advisory council for an organization that does physical sponsorships. I just want organizations to be structured well as they enter into it. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of information, a little bit of food for thought, a couple of things to chew on. Feel free to reach out to me, Donald Wells, uh, through the podcast, different type of bean counter, through the comments. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week.